Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. My guests today are Steve Levy and Tom Bolt. Steve blogs at the Recruiting Inferno. Tom blogs at Make HR Happen. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me for this discussion about social media in recruiting. Happy to be here. So let's let's start it off with it's just sort of an overarching question about the legal risks of identifying and screening candidates via social media. What are they? Tom, age before beauty. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, these are actually two questions, and I think uh, the recent article um, from HR Executive Online uh, that quoted the SHRM survey uh, brought out uh, an important point, and that is that those two factors should probably be considered separately. Uh, if you are using social media as a sourcing tool and finding candidates who may not otherwise be looking for a job, that's one thing. If you're using it to screen candidates, uh, and uh, that usually takes the negative connotation of screening people out, uh, then, uh, you know, that's an entirely different story. And uh, the policies and regulations uh, that govern each of those things have to be considered separately. Steve, do you have anything to add? Well, I, 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 I wholeheartedly concur. The, the, the process of recruiting via social media platforms uh, is, it, it seems to grow by leaps and bounds every six months. Uh, when Tom and I first started involving ourselves in it, it really was just a close, really close circle of recruiters who pretty much knew each other from the recruiting conferences who were involved in this. Uh, much, much later, realistically only in the last two years, have uh, other, other you know, job seekers and, and career services and outplacement centers uh, started uh, adopting it. And, and, and now it's sort of like a freight train that uh, you can't get out of its way. It's, it's, it's recommended as something that you must do if you are looking for a job. The other side of it, is that biases are still biases. And if a company is going to be inherently biased in its recruiting practices, at some level, a person's social media footprint will or can make it easier to identify things that can be used to disqualify them. Eric? So um, let's break it down because, Tom, you said um, the legal risks of identifying candidates via social media are not necessarily the same as the legal risks of screening candidates via social media. So let's take them one by one. What are the legal risks of identifying candidates via social media? Well, you know, I don't like to think of it as a, uh, anything other than a tool 
Um, I mean, I can use a tool to build something. Uh, uh, I can take a hammer and build something with it, or I can take a hammer to tear something down. So social media is really a tool that we use. Uh, if we're using it in recruiting, it's primarily as a sourcing tool to find people that are not currently uh, looking, that passive job uh, seeker out there who may be interested in an opportunity, but they're not actively looking. So social media gives an insight into those people. And um, a lot of people are uh, in the uh, SHRM survey where they uh, said 77% of the respondents saying they are using social networking sites. My guess is that that's... Uh, 77% of them are saying that they're using it in one form or another, but not necessarily all the same way. Uh, LinkedIn is listed as one of the primary uh, social media sites used for recruiting. Uh, if they are posting jobs on LinkedIn and not actually being, quote, unquote, social, then uh, it's no more than posting out on a job board. Uh, it's the same uh, same effect and uh, the same mentality that's driving it. Uh, we're going to put a job out there and see who applies. The value of social media is to be able to uh, to talk to people, to dialogue with people, to interchange ideas. The value of LinkedIn as a recruitment tool is to be able to find people who may not be looking and uh, find out what they bring to the table. It's not necessarily screening someone out as much as it is trying to find out uh, what they bring to the table. Um, you know, and yeah, I, I think yeah, that it's uh, all... Yeah, go ahead. No, from a disparate impact, you know, if, 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 a, company, if, a, if a company representative um, doesn't want to hire, pick a group. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> Uh, and they can just as easily uh, go to a, a job board or a resume database and weed out people whose names uh, this company representative believes uh, fall into a certain category. Uh, social media doesn't change that. Uh, in fact, if someone, uh, I think if someone is going to be disqualifying someone based upon uh, some uh, 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 category, then frankly, they're lazy. And laziness and social recruiting do not go hand in hand. If, if you're actively social recruiting, uh, then you are actively uh, reading a lot of material. You're engaging people. You're taking the time to exchange ideas. Uh, and frankly, uh, you don't have the time to disqualify someone because of some category variable. Steve, if I was uh, the CEO of a very risk-averse organization uh, with very large hiring demands, and I was keen on social media, and I hired you to come in and train a team of recruiters to use social media as a source of hiring, uh, but I'm very risk averse. How would you train those recruiters to perform candidate research legally? Well, clearly, uh, the first question is, what does risk averse mean? And and I'm going to assume, uh, for the sake of this discussion, I'm going to pick something out of my hat. Uh, we don't want anybody to uh, think that uh, the company it disqualifies anyone on the basis of race, gender, age, 
keep going, all those things. Essentially, well, you, I, I want our recruiting process to be as benign as possible. Uh, you know, first thing first, this goes back to the basics of recruiting. Um, and let me throw another one. Let, 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 let's assume that the company has to be OFCCP compliant, which means, you know, there are you know, federal regulations on uh, record keeping, on uh, how one qualifies candidates, it's how one finds them, et cetera. Uh, I mean, the first thing to do is to train the recruiters or educate the recruiters and the hiring managers on what the real job is. Uh, the inherent problem with the bulk of non-performance-based recruiting is that it is be- it is become wholly task-oriented, as in you must have three to five years' experience, you must have a BS or equivalent, you must know Microsoft Excel, whereas performance-based hiring is uh, substantially different. You are you are identifying the specific problems that a person will be asked to hire, uh, solve once they are hired. Essentially, what are the problems that keep the, the hiring manager and their boss awake at night? So it, it, it's a complete do-over as to how, one, how you think about recruiting. The second thing is to come up to speed on, I'd identify, to come up to speed on, on the social platforms simply takes time. Tom, you and I have been doing this for how many years since, Gosh, since dinosaurs were roaming the earth, I think. And, <laughs> and, and the one thing that Tom and I learned is we learned something new about Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, blogging, uh, shaking hands, kissing babies, calling people every day. Just when you thought somebody couldn't do something that you didn't think they could do, they do it. So there is clearly a period in which you need to come up to speed. There are some foundational ways that we believe, and Tom and I are very close on this, that we believe you should use each platform. Those need to be taught. And there's a real ramp-up period. And as we've seen in the early days of social media and social recruiting, uh, there is a likelihood you will not see any benefit for some period of time. So you know there. Yeah, there are a lot of naysayers who will who will claim that because you can't see immediate results, that it must not be working. Uh, it's really a matter of staying uh, staying in touch, staying tuned, uh, see what happens next. Um, a year ago, I was not on Reddit. Uh, now I visit uh, that, that that social media site every day. There are professional. Uh, subreddits that are talking about uh, human resources. There are job seeker uh, subreddits that are uh, where people can post their resumes or ask for advice on uh, on job searches and this kind of thing. It's a it's a treasure trove of information for a recruiter uh, to be there and not just to to troll for candidates, but to also give advice and tell people. How we operate, uh, it's sort of giving them a look into the other team's playbook. This is how we recruit. Uh, if you want to be recruited, then uh, you've got to swim where they're fishing. Yeah, as, you know, and to, take, to, to leverage that is, you know, every channel, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, what have you, has a, there's a different penetration strategy in terms of getting your company's brand um, aware amongst the people in that channel. There's also a lot of carryover. One of the things that you'll notice that after some period of time is you're going to see the same people in the different channels. There are going to be people who are just 
they're at they're out there on the point of the arrow, whereas other people are back on the shaft and, and literally and figuratively, and uh, on on the feathers. Uh, so, this from a strate- strategic standpoint, in teaching it, you know, each channel has its benefits, its uses, depending on the function, the sector, the level. All these impact. Each one has a different strategy for engaging both passive and active job seekers. And as you know, we'll tell you, we're learning something new about it every day. There is a chart in the Source of Hires 2013 report by Jerry Crispin and Mark Meller. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. This is a white paper that measures how employers define and measure the talent supply chain pre-application. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the report, but first I want to focus on this chart. It's figure nine, and I'm looking at it here, and it talks about the impact of different social networking channels by brand. And um, I want to take some time to talk about this. Let's start with Twitter, because that's what we were just talking about. Sure. It says, and it talks about two uses of Twitter specifically. One is job tweets. The other is recruiter searches. I assume that's recruiters searching for candidates, correct? It might be, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, in terms of effectiveness uh, for searching for candidates, uh, more than half of the people see no impact at all. They don't see it as as worthwhile. But when it comes to job tweets, tweeting out uh, links to, to job posts, and by the way, Hashtag jobs, the number one hashtag of all time, continues to be. Yeah. Um, so if you're a job seeker, that's some, something you want to monitor. Uh, but job tweets are seen by the majority of the response to this survey as having some impact, albeit limited, targeted, broad impact, but having some impact. Um, where do you guys stand on the use of Twitter uh, for recruiting, if you had to rank Twitter against the other social networking brands, how effective is it? And are there some other applications or best practices you think that recruiters should be considering? Tom, let me let me, let me jump into this one first for you. Um, as, as far as as far as the job tweets, that's not a surprise. Quite honestly, um, the job tweets are. Uh, I mean, I'm getting I'm getting echo on here, so I apologize. Um, it, it, it makes sense that the job tweets have have a high percentage because if you're an active job seeker, you're going to click on them. It's no different than going to a job board. Essentially, uh, these job tweets are Twitter's versions of the job board. Uh, as far as ranking them, uh, in my opinion, there are two factors. Uh, the first factor is how long you've been on Twitter, and how good you are at engaging people. Uh, amongst the, the people that Tom and I uh, float with, uh, they are some of the substantially more experienced uh, social recruiters, and they've developed a good deal, uh, very, very solid relationships. So they're going to they're say that uh, Twitter relationships are very, very good. I don't know if I, I certainly won't say that a, a, a Twitter is a better channel than LinkedIn for job search. It all depends on the other factor, uh, you know, the level and the sector. 
So, and, and that does, and, and that, that Mark and Jerry don't get into those things in their surveys, quite frankly, because the data that they're collecting isn't robust enough, uh, and or there's some question about the quality of the data. I'm merely going well, also when you're that. talking about, excuse me, when you're talking about oh. a source of hire, there's uh, a lot of crossover there too. Um, if if I see a job posted. Um, on, let's say, one of the job boards, Monster or Career Builder, something like that, or, or one of the job scraping sites. Uh, and then I go on LinkedIn, I find that company, and I find somebody at that company that I can dialogue with, uh, and then I go the step beyond that, and uh, I get referred by them as an employee referral. Well, actually, you've touched on three different sources of hire that are covered in this report. Uh, most companies can only have a database only have a database that can only uh, connect with one of those so who gets the credit for it uh, when you see the social media number going down from uh, about three to like two point something percent in total hires um, I, I really don't think that's a real number I don't think that's a trend going backward for social media because I think social media is becoming more and more a factor of uh, introducing people to the company and yeah. another thing to look at too when you look at uh, jobs posted on Facebook or on Twitter um, look at how many people are following or liking uh, that particular company and look how many the company is following back uh, it's a pretty one-sided relationship. That's not the definition of social. So uh, if it's just being used as a job posting site, then a lot of the uh, chicken littles out there that are warning that this is a slippery slope, uh, they really don't have a leg to stand on there because we're not really accumulating anything except uh, advertising for jobs. Uh, yeah. The real social use of social media is when you go out and you find that hidden job market, you find somebody with a unique skill, somebody that has a talent that you need to solve your problems, that's where you're making the money on social media. And in quite, you know, the, the problem with, so with, with, with tracking any recruiting data is, 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 in fact, the quality of the data. It's well known but not spoken about that recruiters will, oh, what's a good word, Tom, lie about their source of hire to make themselves look good. I mean, because recruiters, whether they're uh, in-house recruiters or, or agency recruiters, on some level, their performance is assessed by how good they are at finding low-cost, uh, high-performing people. Uh, so it, to, to Tom's uh, uh, example about you see a job on Monster, you see the tweet on Twitter, then you go to LinkedIn to find someone there, and somebody ultimately refers you, I mean, the real source of hire is, for the audience, is Monster. Uh, how the company will probably record it internally is, as a, is an employee referral. So what's the real data? It, it, the, all these different sources of hires and, and, the, and the inability to track it effectively obfuscates the real importance of it. In this example, Monster, Twitter, LinkedIn, the source of hire, in my opinion, is social media. It's just the question is to which one gets, gets the gold medal. You know, it's funny because I'm looking here at this social media usage comparison from this source of hire report, and I'm seeing clearly that according to this report, LinkedIn is overwhelmingly the most effective social networking channel. 
um, if you are attributing it to one source, I guess. Uh, but it's interesting to me, Steve, that even given that, that, that the fact that nearly 90% of those surveyed in this report say LinkedIn jobs posts are, have, have impact and LinkedIn groups have impact, more than 80%, and probably a little more than 75% see value with LinkedIn company pages, you're still not willing to say that LinkedIn is necessarily the most effective social network. No, because there, there, there's the what the number that's that's been tossed around the last 12 months or so is that uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom. 92% of all companies use LinkedIn in their recruiting, and I've spoken to a lot of recruiters as, as as Tom has, and my opinion is that the overwhelming number of them use LinkedIn as a job board. It's a damn good job board, quite frankly. It's a damn good resume database. In my opinion, it's a heck of a lot better than Monster, Career Builder, Dice, or any others. That's not to disparage them. It's just that it's being sold as a professional, um, you know, a professional a social site. Most folks don't. But perhaps, according to this report, more than 80% are using LinkedIn groups. Nearly 75% are using company pages. Yeah, uh, more than they, but here's how they're using... Yeah, but here's how they're using LinkedIn groups. They're using LinkedIn groups to post jobs in the groups. You get, you, you get a social, uh, a great social tool, uh, Bullhorn Reach, uh, allows you to uh, post jobs if, to, to, to any groups that you belong to. That's using LinkedIn groups to, you know, that's putting a job inside of a LinkedIn group. It's uh, okay. the, the difference. The difference is, are you engaging? You will find a substantially smaller number of recruiters who are actually going into LinkedIn groups and building relationships with people. I'll give you a really good example. There's a group for Python developers. Python is an open source language. And there was a conference earlier this year uh, in which uh, uh, there was an, an incident that uh, uh, was uh, was elevated almost to software development lure, and I'll just use words. Uh, th- there are software development words called forking and, and dongles, and it was turned into a quasi-sexual harassment um, fiasco, if you will. I posted a, uh, a discussion in this group, and I probably had about, I don't know, maybe 80 responses, and I'm going back and forth, responding back, sending private messages and this and that. And the intention was not to go in as a recruiter, but to discuss a very important issue uh, in software development. Uh, as it turned out, pretty much everybody involved in that discussion uh, is now connected to me on LinkedIn. That's social. So in, in, in the future, if I have to do some Python developer recruiting, I have people I can go to. I have something I can point to other than the fact that, uh, hi, I'm Steve Levy, and how would you like to become a Python developer? That's social. Now, what other best practices uh, can you talk about for Twitter besides just job tweets or recruiter searches or hashtags. Are you guys using tweet chats? Are there any other applications 
that you think are effective? Tom? Yes. Um, you know, we're finding that uh, a lot of the um, user groups are hosting tweet chats, and uh, that's a good place to go to dialogue with those people, uh, to find out uh, not who's looking. Uh, you don't go in as a headhunter uh, or you'll be ostracized for that, but you go in as a participant. And uh, it's not like the Trojan horse or anything like that. You're going in as a, uh, uh, as a participant, making contributions where you can, but you're building relationships. All recruiting is about building relationships. All recruiting is social. So social media just takes that to the next level so that you're able to build a relationship that's going to ultimately turn into a hire somewhere. Yeah, to be a little more specific. So you are doing that. You are actually going to tweet chats with the purpose of building relationships to try to eventually source, I would imagine, passive candidates. Well, to, 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 be, specific, yeah, to be specific, yeah. um, Tom and I uh, have been part of a very well-known and very successful uh, chat called uh, Hash HF Chat for Higher Friday Chat for many years. Uh, and uh, during the course of the hour, and I don't know, with how, how many years, Tom, was this two years or two and a half years this was on? About two and a half Maybe years, yeah. Two and a half years. Every Friday, we would have a guest, and the guest would be responsible for asking, quote-unquote asking, oh, about six questions that pertain to a certain topic. I mean, we were getting thousands of participants, thousands of tweets, back and forth, so much sharing. Uh, it, worked, it worked out well for everybody. You know, Tom and I, we, 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 we along with another, another person, Cindy Truvella, have a new chat on Thursday nights called Open My Career Chat, OMC Chat, in which you ask questions and we answer them very, very honestly. Again, the, over the course of time and in the course of being truthful and giving out good information, people will come to you. And it's a way of, of engaging people on topics that are near and dear to them and, you know, having the, the, the little repartee that goes back and forth. It's not all positive. You know, there, there are good discussions and arguments that take place, but that's just like the real world. Twitter, on, in, in its best use, is just a, a microcosm of the real world. You have positives, you have negatives, you have arguments, you talk about them, you work them out. And over the course of time, people do get to know you. Now, LinkedIn recently introduced these endorsements, which, you know, don't require a heck of a lot of effort. You know, with the recommendations, obviously, someone actually has to write it, and then you review it, and then you to approve it. They've written it, but it winds up on your profile. The endorsements are just a click. And, uh, you know, frankly, I've been endorsed for things, you know, I don't really consider myself an expert at by people I don't really know. Uh, what, what are your yeah. thoughts on endorsements? Are they worthwhile? Are you paying attention to, to them? Do they matter? You know, Personally, um, I, I, I don't pay attention to them, Tom. Do you? I, I don't either. Uh, well, there's two different ways to do this. Um, if you endorse someone on a specific skill, uh, it's just like, uh, you know, taking your number two pencil and circling a dot. I mean, it's, or, it's, it's not really uh, requiring any, uh, any degree of uh, uh, original thinking to go and say, oh, yeah, this person knows about uh, Internet marketing or brand development or new media management. Uh, you know, you just click on a box and, boom, you've endorsed them. But there are some recommendations on LinkedIn that probably do mean something because somebody did take the time to write that. Um, 
it's probably still uh, a lot of quid pro quo. Uh, I'll endorse you, and you endorse me. But uh, you know, the, uh, the the click boxes don't really mean a whole lot. And uh, I think this is uh, a marketing tool more than it is an endorsement tool. LinkedIn is trying to get people to uh, uh, to go in and use this. They're trying to uh, get more people to commit to using LinkedIn. And uh, you know, it's a great marketing tool. Uh, I don't know that it's very useful to a recruiter to really tell you something about someone. Now, to give to give to to, to add a little credence to that is that LinkedIn is sending out these emails, and you are in the top one percent, two percent, ten percent of of users. Eric, I don't know if you've gotten one of those, but uh, you know there are people who have far 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 fewer connections than I do, and are far far less active and, and engaging, and they've gotten these things, and I haven't gotten one. I don't care. I, I realize that it's sort of like a, a, a random number generator that's going to decide whether you're going to get one of these. Uh, but as, as I'll agree with what uh, Tom said, it, it's, it's partially marketing. It's trying to uh, uh, you know, suck, for lack of a better word, suck someone into using a tool and, and lock them in. I've had people, uh, as you have alluded to, Eric, you know, endorse me for things that, quite frankly, I don't do very well. And uh, I, I just believe there are some people look at uh, uh, people on LinkedIn who are very, very um, engaging, who have a lot of connections, and are just hoping that they endorse them back as if that might mean something. It, it, frankly, it doesn't. And I've seen some, uh, some people have endorsed me, um, obviously, out of an attempt to have me notice them. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you know I appreciate them going in and saying something nice about me, but uh, that endorsement doesn't really make me go back and think any more highly of them uh, because I don't believe in these quid pro quo type of uh, endorsements. But uh, you know it is a social area, and uh, you go to a social function where you're meeting people face to face. You shake the hand, you buy them a drink, and uh, this is all part of the. Uh, uh, part of the thing. I'm not going to particularly think any more highly of someone who shook my hand, but uh, you know, there's got to be something of more substance to it than that. But uh, social media is just like the real world. It's it's where you go to do things. I live on social media, and I think Steve can say the same thing almost. Now, when I look at the effectiveness of search engine optimization and search engine marketing, they're not related, so. So that, that could yeah. be pay-per-click or it could be organic optimization. Um, you know, it's really the only other channel that ranks as high as LinkedIn. LinkedIn ranks higher in terms of impact, according to the survey, than, uh, than it goes right to SEO. Is, um, is SEO seen as having broad impact, or is it really more, I mean, what, what do you think? Is it a broad channel? Or is it a targeted channel? I would think it would be a broad channel. Well, I also think one of the problems with SEO, SEM is it's, it's, it's terribly misunderstood by most people in recruiting. Uh, you know, LinkedIn job, well, they can see it. I, I see it right here. You know, I, I, I see how many people click on the ads. I see that LinkedIn says my job is on fire. Um, SEO, SEM uh, require uh, substantially more analytics knowledge uh, but uh, those who use it um, and, 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 and are diligent about it actually get some very very good results but like anything else Eric all these are just arrows each one of these is just an arrow in the quiver 
and you know the reliance on one over the other, exclusively one over the other, I, I think you know obfuscates the real challenge in recruiting, and that is you want to cast the the, the, the conundrum. You want to cast as wide net as possible, but you also want to be targeted. Uh, but in all fairness, uh, yeah. you know the options, the, the number of channels, and the options for you to go after, for you to you know, for you to identify and screen candidates is essentially limitless. But the resources are always finite, so somehow you're going to have to allocate resources intelligently. Yeah. So I would think you're going to look over a graph like this and say, you know what? We're going to push a little harder on LinkedIn. Well, we'll go a little harder on LinkedIn and SEO. But in terms of Facebook, it just doesn't look like it's really netting a lot of results. I mean, isn't that doesn't that have to be the case? Some arrows are better than others. Absolutely. But what what Jerry and Mark will tell you is that they while they love doing this survey every year, they're still dubious about the quality of the data. That's one thing. Two. Uh, Analytics have to play a very, very big part. You know, I've, I've run recruiting at a couple, couple of companies, and 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 I personally like to measure recruiting effectiveness on a quarter by quarter basis. Uh, you can measure. My favorite metric is something called recruiting efficiency ratio. That is the uh, total uh, direct and indirect recruiting cost divided by the compensation recruited. You can assess each channel measure each channel's effectiveness along something like that. You also have to, of course, include a, a, a customer satisfaction or customer quality metric, you know, how, and, and, and ultimately a performance metric. Uh, but in the end, yes, the channels do change. They're impacted by the political environment, the economic environment, social environment, technological environment. It's a very complex picture to... If you, want to, if you want to stay up on what works best for your company, you're, you're, you're going to be working a lot of hours, and you're going to be doing a lot of analysis, collecting a lot of data, and you're going to be changing your strategy more than likely on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis. And I think it's fair to say, too, that um, not, to, not to disparage any of my colleagues in companies that are trying their best to do this right, uh, there's not a whole lot of knowledge yet on how to use social media, much less how to measure it. And, uh, to, you know, the, the optimal situation is going to be one where uh, you are able to break down uh, these metrics by channel and uh, actually have some sort of an idea about what the data is telling you. Uh, the problem is uh, a lot of companies are locked into archaic uh, uh, metrics such as cost per hire or something like that, which is just sort of a bogus number, or time to hire. Uh, the time to hire numbers don't mean anything if you're recruiting uh, clones to work uh, in cubicles uh, doing the same job uh, across a whole floor of a building. If you're looking for somebody for that corner office, the time to hire is going to be greater. And uh, that doesn't average out. Uh, it's unique for every situation. And uh, we're not too much past the day when companies were still blocking social media so that their employees wouldn't waste time. Uh, so we've come a little way past there now so that we recognize that there is some value to this thing called social media, but uh, it's still so misunderstood. Uh, one of my friends 
posted a blog post yesterday about the history of terminations and firings because of employee social media. It's a great report. It goes back 10 years, and it lists, uh, it's uh, a very concise, uh, complete list. But uh, the problem I see with that concept is that um, they weren't fired because of social media. They were fired because they did something stupid in the public where they could be seen. Uh, they would have been fired for the same thing if it had been in a conference room or on a street corner or in a, uh, a meeting somewhere. So uh, social media isn't causing all this stuff, and social media isn't going to be the answer to all the questions about trying to find this hidden job uh, job talent either. Uh, it's uh, Social media has to be understood, and it has to be learned by people at the highest levels, and uh, we've got to instill confidence in CEOs that this is what we can deliver if you give us this. And uh, I don't think we're quite there yet, uh, especially in some smaller companies or uh, very highly regulated companies where they uh, are almost forbidden, forbidden to engage with anybody for, lack, for, for fear that somebody's going to say something wrong. Yeah, well, that, now, that, you uh, guys are both blogging for thought leadership. You both have blogs where you post essentially for the recruiting industry. Um, to what extent are blogs effective for recruiting? Um, are you seeing organizations use blogs to try to get found by uh, by candidates? And if so, how and what level candidate? Well, Tom, I've got a good example for that. Uh, I One of my clients years back, it was internal, was a, 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 a database uh, management software um, written in a, in, in a fairly esoteric open source language and there was a blog on the company and they, they, they blogged about real benign uh, database and database management topics. Uh, I received a, um, a cover letter. Uh, I, I was looking for, a, I think, a Linux uh, systems administrator and um, I, I believe I pinged a certain user group with it, and I received a cover letter back that I still call the best cover letter I have ever, ever written, I have ever read. Uh, so I ended up posting this on the blog and uh, liking it and read it. So to Tom's point, Reddit is, is a very, very good thing. This company would, would, would get about 60 views a week, this one blog post saw 24,000 views. And as a result of it, I saw a spike in interest. I was able to reach out to people through Reddit back to some of the technical sites, and they had read this. And that was instant credibility, instant access for me. Uh, there is a direct relationship amongst all the different channels. There has to be a consistent strategy in which you use one and the other and the other. Uh, but it takes a long time to build credibility within a target talent community. And, and, and once you get there, uh, then you will see people uh, gravitate towards you, uh, while, you know, and, you know, while you're, they're reading your content. But it, it is something that can take, uh, you know, can take several years to develop uh, a, a following and thus an impact on recruiting. Tom? You know, uh, the, the problem with company blogs in most cases is that it's not written uh, with concern for the target audience. Uh, and a lot of times they're a little more than press releases. So if this is a PR issue, 
uh, or somebody in uh, corporate communications is deciding what they want to tout about the company today, uh, that's one thing. If it's a true recruiting blog, uh, companies can really take advantage of that. There's some companies that do that very well uh, and even have employees uh, contribute to these blogs so that you're dealing with real people and not the corporate, uh, you know, PR office. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's still embryonic. A lot of companies are fully integrating all of their social media uh, in uh, so that they can um, uh, capture the data that's there and be able to do something with that. Um, I, I'll, since this is, uh, I'll mention one company by name since they do it right, and that's Sodexo. Uh, if you apply to a job on uh, one of their jobs on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, that job is, uh, your application to that job is seen by everybody. It's, it goes into a database that's uh, managed by their uh, applicant tracking system, uh, and uh, it receives the same amount of visibility as uh, as it does with uh, uh, anyone who applied to a job board and goes into their database or applies to their career site. Uh, and they have uh, blogs written by employees that are talking about the openings, talking about the culture. It's, a, it's an excellent uh, way to uh, use social media uh, to, to its best advantage. Yeah, to what about Google well, wait, Plus? One, 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 one quick point here. It's important. Um, you take like a Sodexo, uh, and, and they're, they, you know, Tom and I could throw some others out at you. Essentially what they're doing is they're turning every employee into a talent scout. Absolutely. And, 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 and giving them the tools and the permission to, to, to write things, to tout about the company, to make the connections, to engage in ways that most companies would find objectionable uh, for, you know, public relations reasons. So, you know, that's where, where, where Ari Ball has instilled in that whole culture a can-do, we're all talent scouts, we all have to keep our eyes open, and if we do it well, everyone's going to win mentality and strategy. That's the best of the breed right there. Let's take a moment on that, because that's, that really does get at the heart of the issue. So if you're dealing with an organization that sees social media as primarily an external communications channel, a marketing vehicle, a PR channel, and you need to convince them that no, 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 that's not what it is in the context of recruiting. It's a way for everyone to serve as a talent scout. How do you win that argument with the legal department and the C-suite? Sometimes you win it, sometimes you lose it. Um, It's, you have to, in my opinion, um, almost make a um, present a, a, a legal case in which you're going to call witnesses to the stand. Uh, you can you can reach out. I mean, I, I can go to people you know people who are C levels, VPs, SVPs, you know, many different industries, many different sectors, many different uh, you know sectors functions, and I, and I, and I can have them. Uh, you know, write something, literally write a letter to how I engage them and, and, and what they think about it, you know, being very, very simple here, and, and, and package these together and, uh, you know, sh- show them to legal, show them to marketing. Marketing may be the big problem because typically this, you know, social media has now, you know, been, been assumed by marketing as, as their turf. But it's, it's, it's the data and the relationships, of people who are in fact superstars or passives, as, as we like to say in recruiting, uh, 
who you can use as fodder for uh, strengthening the need to go the route of social recruiting and opening it up to everybody in the company. Now, I would think that it's not only advantageous to empower as many people in the company as possible to serve as a recruiting agent. I would think that it would also be a good idea to have other people retweeting, commenting, and engaging in whatever conversations those people are starting up. But how would you do that if the organization is pretty much focused on social media as a marketing channel? Well, it has to get get to critical mass before um, you're going to have that happen. And it has to be an open dialogue with uh, people who are going to see it uh, as uh, something worth retweeting. Uh, if you're simply using it as a job, uh, Twitter, for example, as a job posting site, and it just mirrors everything that you posted everywhere else, uh, people aren't going to retweet that. If you're uh, dialoguing with people and engaging them on conversations about technology uh, or something that's important to them, uh, that'll get retweeted and that'll be noticed. And, uh, you know, you do this also by uh, inserting hashtags that are company relevant that are going to uh, let you view what they're saying. A lot of people uh, in the C-suite are afraid to expose themselves to that degree to the outside, to allow people in, to allow them to come in and, uh, and make comments. Um, and that's why you don't see a lot of uh, large corporations uh, following back somebody on Twitter, because they really don't want them to be there to comment. What I tell them is, uh, you know, you can't really control what they're going to say. If you don't let them do it here where you can see it, they'll do it somewhere else. Uh, look at a site called walmartsucks.com. I'm sure they would like to have control of the input that goes into there so that they could debate uh, the issues that are brought up. And most of them are frivolous anyway. But uh, why would you want that to, to happen outside of an area that you can control and, and monitor? You know, take another example is uh, the, the, the Glassdoor.com or uh, the Vault, uh, which, which, which we in recruiting referred to as a candidate bitch site. Uh, I, these are people who are commenting about their good and bad experiences with the company. I'd rather you reach out to me and tell me that you had a real crappy time during the interview so I can address it in a public forum. You know, we're grown-ups here. In business, we deal with things directly. We don't uh, hide behind comments or prevent people from commenting because we may not like the answer. You know, we if they, you were approached by a client that was absolutely getting slammed on Glassdoor and they wanted to give you some sort of performance-based compensation, would you be willing to consider it or would the fact that they have such a bad record on Glassdoor discourage you from that? Well, like anything else, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do my homework and find out what's behind the negative comments. Uh, you know, what may be negative for, for someone is not negative for me. And, and quite frankly, these the, uh, sites like Glassdoor, you, you, you self-select yourself to answer or answer questions or to offer uh, feedback. Um, you have to do your homework. Either way, you just can't take in, in business what people say as the gospel. Um, you know, I would use uh, a good number of these social tools to you know, try to triangulate what's actually taking place. No well, as a consultant myself, 
And as uh, a consultant, I would I would be I would be really hesitant to jump into a situation where I would have absolutely no control over implementing some sort of change. Um, if it's do a study and you're going to pay me for it and uh, then I'm out of there, okay. But uh, if you really want some results uh, and the problem areas are the result of something that's going wrong internally, you have to make some internal changes. Uh, and that's going to mean uh, identifying where the problem areas are, recommending some course of action to change that, and then overseeing uh, and training people to implement it. Uh, if it's going to be something that's uh, going to be just a study that goes on the shelf and gathers dust, it won't be very useful. And uh, I don't know that I'd want to waste my time with that. No, and I'll, I'll agree with Tom. There has to be some, some, some actionable uh, result that I would have to be part of. Well, we're all fine, but there are a few more questions in here. What about Google Plus and Pinterest? Uh, you know, 30 seconds. Uh, are they worthwhile? Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Pinterest, <laughs> depending on, uh, I, again, I think there's an industry uh, factor here. Um, some industries uh, are quite amenable to it. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm, the first thing that jumps at my mouth is, is uh, you know, fashion, anything design, anything graphic oriented. Uh, Pinterest is one point in your strategy, uh, both as a job seeker and as a recruiter. Uh, Google, uh, Google is sort of, and, and Google Plus plus Google Hangouts are sort of the redheaded stepchild of social media. Um, uh, it, it, they don't have the, uh, the volume as, as others, but Many, uh, many, a lot, lot of folks that Tom and I know in recruiting are quite passionate about Google Plus and um, use it voraciously, uh, pretty much amongst themselves. Um, in certain sectors like you know technology, Google Plus is pretty darn good. It depends on the industry. Tom, they are all tools to be used. Um, uh, you take you take the tool out of the toolbox that's applicable for this, uh, for what you're doing right now, for the job you have right now. And uh, Google Plus is good, uh, but it has its limitations. Uh, and uh, if you're trying to automate uh, posting of jobs, for example, uh, it's not that easy to do with Google Plus. Uh, I can uh, I can program tweets to go out using uh, off-the-shelf software or, or, or free stuff online, and I can have my jobs posted on Twitter, on Facebook. I can have these things scheduled to go out uh, just using uh, simple tools like Hootsuite. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I can't do that to, to Google+. So they haven't released, uh, uh, they, they haven't given the keys to the kingdom to people who can come in and do things on their platform without their permission. So it's sort of a manual thing. Yeah, but that, that thing's interesting. Is, the issue here, Eric, is uh, all these companies uh, write APIs, they're essentially interfaces, that allow others to uh, <coughs> uh, interact with them. Uh, Google is doing their own thing. Twitter, though, is changing their API come, uh, in, a, in, a, in a few weeks. And um, you know, I, this, this, this is common in the social platform. LinkedIn has done the same uh, last, uh, you know, couple of, I believe, sometime last year, in which they, I believe, no longer allowed uh, tweets to go in there or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm missing something. Well, you but, can uh, you can actually um, 
You can actually uh, publish to Google Plus from Hootsuite now. They have integrated that. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah. AP, the, the APIs are, are constantly changing. As, as each of these major platforms looks to monetize their, their platform, they're going to selectively keep people out or other platforms out, other schools out, and let sure. schools in. It's a sure. Now, I have two, two last questions, and then we're going to wrap it up. So I'll let you guys choose who takes which question. The first question, let's, let's flip the tables now because you guys are both recruiters. You guys are both considering candidates on a daily basis. And some of the people listening to this podcast may not be recruiters. They may be candidates. So now we've got two top recruiters uh, on this call here, on this podcast. The, uh, I want, we want to talk about best practices for LinkedIn profile optimization and best practices for resumes. So uh, who wants to take which one? And then a question. We, we both hate talking about resumes. <laughs> Oh, God. Tom, I'll take the resumes. You can take the LinkedIn, but you have to go first. Okay. So, so, Tom, with respect to a LinkedIn profile, if you were advising your son or your daughter or someone who you loved and you really wanted to win, what top tips would you give them about how to position, you know, general tips about how to position a LinkedIn profile to really, you know, work for a recruiter? Uh, I've got to know that you're looking for a job. Uh, it can't be just a hidden thing if you want a recruiter to find you. Uh, if somebody reaches out to you, you have to respond. If it's going to be social, you have to be social back. Uh, so uh, I can't tell you how many people I've reached out to who say they're looking for jobs and they never answer my inquiries. So uh, you've, got, you've got to uh, be there when they want to, uh, uh, when they want to thought, talk to you. I thought everybody wants a passive candidate. So I know so many, I actually know people who are out of work who actually have listed that, you know, that they're working in a friend's company or something just because they don't want to look like they're out of work because, you know, yeah. in L.A. they say, you know, no one wants to hang out with an out-of-work actor, you know. So everyone wants to look Point. like they're working. So how do you how do you, how do you deal with that? That's an excellent point. Uh, if you are doing it on the down low and you don't want to let anyone know that you're looking, you've got to be a bit be a bit more cautious. Uh, I think that's true of any social media platform. You've got to uh, be aware of the brand that you're sending out to people when you uh, are doing anything in social media. But uh, there are actually sites that will broadcast when somebody changes their LinkedIn profile. Uh, Bullhorn uh, Reach does that. It will uh, alert you when someone that you're hooked up with it changes their profile because that's the first sign that they're looking to change jobs. So you don't necessarily have to state on there that you're changing jobs. If you just dolled up your profile, uh, made some changes, got some endorsements, got a recommendation or two, uh, that's a good sign that uh, that, that person is, is ready to move. Yeah, to, to leverage that, you know, it, it is it is actually common for uh, bosses to look at the LinkedIn profiles of the people who work for them. Uh, I know we do that in, in recruiting. Uh, in recruiting, we do it for a different reason, and that's to hopefully talk someone out of leaving. Uh, but it's, 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 it's really common to, to look at people's LinkedIn's profiles. You can tell what they're doing. Very what good. are the basic, you know, what are the basic red flags on a, on a LinkedIn profile? Uh-oh, stay away from this guy. 
Why? As 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 they're 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 a bad seed, or you know they don't. Just or you know, oh my God, I don't hire a guy like this because you know there must be a rubric where you look at these things and you say, okay, this guy is a consider, this guy is a do not consider. That's a tough one. You know, I don't I don't know the red flag is. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there is a red flag uh, of a, of a do not approach. Because uh, when I'm on uh, LinkedIn, I'm looking uh, for skills. I'm looking for people who uh, have experience and uh, have some uh, some abilities to solve problems. Uh, I'm really not looking to screen people out. Uh, and uh, you know, if I see people who are just blah, uh, they haven't told me anything about themselves, uh, then I would be likely to skip over that person and go to somebody who's told me what they can do and what they want to do. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know that there's anything there. You can pick up some signs that people may be argumentative, uh, but not too many people on LinkedIn are actually doing that. Mostly the Facebook uh, uh, pages are the ones where you see people start uh, political rants. Uh, they're either extreme right or extreme left. Nobody's in the middle. Uh, so th- there are some signs that somebody may be argumentative. I wouldn't screen anybody out because of that, because if I'm looking for somebody that has a strong personality to lead a function, uh, that may be actually a good thing. Yeah, as far as one thing that Tom said, as far as you know, weak LinkedIn profiles, um, far too many recruiters will, in fact, pass over someone who's got a very, very light profile. And uh, you know, I, can, I know from experience that there are people who I've hired, I've, I've identified their skills through other methods, and uh, uh, and I saw things that, that that they had done that were clearly exemplary. They just chose not to put them on their LinkedIn profile. You know, had I just passed over them, I would have missed them. So, you know, well, is there a danger of being overconnected? Like, you know, maybe it's not a CEO gig, but or it's not a C-suite gig that you're trying to fill, but. You know, the person has thousands of connections, and they have published a, a, some books, and they've keynoted conferences, and, you know, they've done some startups where they were the CEO. I mean, are you going to kind of say, well, that guy might be a little too expensive or too tough. Maybe I shouldn't go with him. No, I, I, I can assure you, I do not have ESP. Um, uh, my ex-wife can assure you that I don't have ESP. Um, and, and recruiters do not have ESP. These, these are things that are, are not part of LinkedIn profiles. And if you don't reach out for someone, you're going you're, you're, you're to miss. You're going to miss it. Okay. Uh, final first, question, Steve. Final question, because we really are out of time. So final question. And go ahead and take, take the time you need to take to answer this, because I think this is an important question, and I think your answer will be really valuable to the people listening to this podcast. So when you're, you know, first of all, some people say the resume is dead. You don't need a resume anymore. You can just have a LinkedIn profile. Uh, I mean, I, I, I guess you still got to have a resume, but, like, what are some best practices for a resume? And, you know, what are do's and don'ts? You know, what can you tell us about I'll give you my one rule, it, and this works in the, both the digital age and the analog age. Um, when I hire people, I hire them to solve problems. I do not hire them because I feel the generosity coming over me. I'm going to give them a paycheck. I'm going to give them a nice desk to sit at. You get hired to solve problems. So the most important thing when I'm recruiting is I need to know what specific problems keep the potential positions 
hiring manager or their plus one, and their manager, the plus two, awake at night or wakes them up at 3.30 in the morning in a cold sweat thinking, I've got to fix this problem. I need to know in the 90 to 180-day time frame what things have got to be accomplished by someone who's going to take this role. I also need to know what things probably going to be coming down the pipe 12 months. With those things, you know, I can go and, and effectively you know, source and engage people. Conversely, uh, a job seeker, you know, there's so much information available by sector, by company, by function, by area of the country, by country, uh, you know, public and private companies. The Internet allows you to identify with, 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 some, with some work what specific problems are facing a, per- a person in a position at this company. If you know those things and you map your resume, your accomplishments to these as close as possible, you're gonna, you, you stand a far better chance of being noticed as, uh, versus someone who just lists tasks. You know, I'm, uh, you know I, I, I fill out Excel spreadsheets. I enter data into the HRIS. I program software. You know, this sort of benign, banal resume, which most, more, most people have, uh, is, is, is practically Passover material. But if, you, if your resume speaks to the specific problems that I'm looking to hire someone to solve, you stand a good chance of being a slam dunk, at least getting into the company. So, you know, you you need to know what keeps your potential plus one and plus two awake at night, specific problems specific to your area. Um, You know, I think these days, uh, you know, being community-minded, you know, showing a a social media footprint, it's not necessary. It's a a plus. Um, If you've you've spoken at places, there are pluses. If you've been quoted in in professional uh, publications, articles, that's a plus. Anything that I can read, that you can point me to, that gives me a better sense of who you are and what you might be able to accomplish is only going to uh, help your case. Uh, but, uh, you know, most, uh, most folks who write resumes, um, I hate to say this, the aisle placement centers, uh, career centers, uh, you know, the Department of Labor career centers, the saying is they become so good at using a hammer, everything begins to look like a nail, um, they all the resumes all come out looking the same, and that um, uh, really just takes away the individual differences and the individual accomplishments. Uh, you, you need to focus on specific problems to be solved that are germane to the company you are interested in, to the position you're interested in, to the level, to the hiring manager. One trick that I have is if you see a job at a certain company. Um, there's nothing wrong with going to LinkedIn and doing your best uh, sleuthing to identify the person who probably could be your hiring manager. And then you reach out to them. And then you ask them, look, I'm interested in your company and your job, but um, I just want to know that I can solve the problems that you need to be solving. Can we talk about it? Not a bad approach. You can actually do those things. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to people at companies other, other than people in recruiting or HR. Steve, great advice and an interesting conversation. 
Steve Levy and Tom Bolt, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Well, thank you for having us, Eric. Thank you, Eric. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.